It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For all the Carolina Panther fans that are upset and believe the season is over, Frank Reich has a message for you. I'll tell you what that message is right here on Locked On Panthers. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, your team every day. That's our motto here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where on Wednesday. Wednesdays, I answer your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions either at me or DM me over on Twitter at Julian Council to get those questions in for tomorrow's edition of the weekly Wednesday mailbag right here on Locked on Panthers. Today's episode of Locked on Panthers is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price Guaranteed. The Carolina Panthers fell to 0 and 4 to start off the 2023 season with a 21-13 home loss against the Minnesota Vikings. While many people out there believe the season is over, and history would tell you that the Carolina Panthers are highly unlikely to make the playoffs at this point. Frank Reich, the Panthers head coach, has a message for all the fans out there that are no longer keeping the faith. We'll get into that message here in just a moment here on Locked on Panthers. But as we do every Tuesday following the Carolina Panthers game, we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly from the matchup on Sunday. So far this season, there's been plenty of ugly, a lot of bad, and some good, which is the encouraging part of an 0-4 start, if there can be anything encouraging about an 0-4 start and why Frank Reich and many on the Panthers staff and uh, players have come out and said that they don't believe they're that far away. But Brian Burns did say after the game that it's time to start seeing results and stop talking and do it on the field. We'll see if they're able to do that on Sunday as they head up to Detroit, head up to Detroit to face off against the Detroit Lions. All right, let's solve with the good from the game on Sunday. Third down defense. Carolina Panthers were good against Seattle Seahawks when it came to third down, stopping Seattle most of the time. Uh, they also were good on Sunday against Minnesota Vikings, holding the Vikings second-rate passing offense to one of eight on third down on Sunday afternoon. Uh, you have to give the Panthers a lot of credit defensively, especially when you think of J.C. Horn not playing, Xavier Woods missing the game, Dante Jackson being out for the majority of the game and having guys like Deshaun Jameson have to step in, Troy Hill, C.J. Henderson, Sam Franklin having to play significant roles there in the secondary with Von Bell, the only healthy starter, and for them to be 
one of eight on third down the Vikings. And to be able to hold them to that, that's impressive from a banged-up defense that continues to play at the highest level you could reasonably expect from a unit with that many injuries. Uh, And just sticking with the defense, because that's really what the good was from the game on Sunday. The backup, Sam Franklin, gets a pick six there on the opening drive. He gives up the DPI, which honestly... I hate those calls so much when it's a terrible throw. The wide receiver doesn't make that much of an effort to even get back to the football. Now, Sam Franklin, I suppose, needs to do a better job at locating the football. But to me, that's just a bailout of a bad throw. But he makes up for it if you want to say he made up for anything. I just I hated the call again, but makes up for it by getting an interception of Kirk Cousins. Takes it back 99 yards. His first career Touchdown, his first career interception in an NFL game. Love to see Sam Franklin get that moment. He's someone who was brought in by Matt Rule as a special teams guy. And he's one of the few Matt Rule guys who came in here that were Temple or Baylor alums that made a significant positive impact for the Carolina Panthers. Now, I don't know if it's been significant, but he's definitely made a positive impact for the Carolina Panthers by his play on special teams, always being down there on kick coverage, and then what he was able to do on Sunday on an opening drive for Minnesota with the pick six. So credit to Sam Franklin. He wasn't the only backup. Itor Grossmatos, who's been able to carve out a role on this roster since Marquise Haynes has spent the first four weeks of the season on the on IR, and we'll get into an update on him momentarily here as I talk about what I heard from Frank Reich on Monday during his day after press conference. Gross Matos had the pressure on Kirk Cousins that led to just another bad throw by Cousins, just throws it up in the air. Kamu Grier-Hill, who's the training camp all-star, someone that Shaq Thompson said need to get on the field, and now he's out there starting as Shaq Thompson is out for the rest of the season with that broken leg. Kamu Grier-Hill gets the interception, takes it to the 50. So three backups having to step in for some really important players to the Carolina Panthers on that defense. All three of those guys making an impact on Sunday in that loss. Pass defense as a whole was a positive. We talked about third down defense stopping them. Uh, one of eight on third down that has to do a lot with pass defense. What the backups were able to do like Sam Frank with the pick six. Kamu Korea Hill also with the interception. But the Panthers held the Vikings 139 yards passing. If you subtract the sack yardages which was nine yards, 130 yards passing on the day. Sack Kirk Cousins twice. Cousins threw two interceptions both of them costly, both of them leading to 10 Carolina Panthers points in total. The only two big pass plays of the day came on a DPI that Sam Franklin was called for. And, of course, that was a pick six after that. Then the touchdown, that was really a free play to Justin Jefferson when Deshaun Jameson was lined up on him in the third quarter. Considering that's the only big plays that were made by the Vikings that were really good passing offense coming into the game, considering all the injuries on that defense, again, just – I'm going to do it on camera here on YouTube. Hats off to that unit and the way that they played, giving the Panthers a chance to win that game on Sunday, only allowing 14 points. Another good. And I'm going to be as positive as I think we should be um, moving forward with this team. Just looking at the development of Bryce Young, which now at 0-4, and even going to the season, I said – What was most important was not wins and losses. It was the development of Bryce Young. When you give up Christian McCaffrey, you give up DJ Moore, and you use um, those guys really as pieces to be able to trade up to number one in a draft quarterback in Bryce Young, uh, what matters most in year one is not winning the NFC South. It's not making the playoffs. It's not winning eight games, nine games, however many games. It's about the development of Bryce Young and where he goes along that the season. And then if you can see the signs that starting next year, that maybe Bryce can start to elevate the team around him, obviously get some help, and then that you made the right choice here. And Carolina thought that Sunday was Bryce's best game of his career so far. Only three starts, but 25-32, 204 yards, 93.2 rating. 
If you look at the second half, he was 16 of 18 overall in the second half for 129 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions. You, of course, would like to see him throw a touchdown. And speaking of touchdowns, uh, some things he can improve upon, obviously, are blitz recognition. Heard him call kill, kill, kill plenty of times on Sunday at the line. Um, being able to find a way to get the protections better because we saw Chuba Hubbard on that third and 18 not pick up Harrison Smith and said he's running to the left, blocking absolutely nobody. That goes on Bryce. It goes on uh, Bradley Bozeman. goes on the coaching staff as well. So some things that you like from the improve upon. And then also on that third and 18 where he had an opportunity where Adam Thielen was on a double move wide open. You could see after the play Adam Thielen just – kind of pretty upset about not getting the ball there. Those are some things that Bryce Young can improve upon. But overall, I thought Sunday's not on Bryce. Yeah, I got to take care of the football, all that. But I thought Bryce Young uh, looked better on Sunday than he had the first two games that he started off against the Falcons and the Saints. So that's the good from the Panthers game against the Vikings, the bad. Uh, Dante Jackson getting injured. No update from Frank Reich on Monday. Expect an update on Wednesday. And that's kind of the standard here, y'all. On Monday, he's just going to talk about the game. He's not going to really give too many updates injury-wise. They got to go through MRIs and screenings and try and figure out, you know, come Wednesday, who's actually going to be out there at practice when the official injury report starts to come out for the upcoming week uh, in that game going on. So we'll find out what's going on with Dante and that shoulder injury and whether he'll be back against Detroit on Sunday on Wednesday. But another starter goes down. Not ideal. Clock management at the end of the half was also a bad. Vashti Hurt, a Carolina Blitz, we had her on the show before. She was asking about what was the philosophy, which was an interesting way to put it because Frank Wright's like, yeah, there wasn't a philosophy. I just got that wrong. He, he admits that he should have called timeout before the half to make it an easier field goal. It's really no harm, no foul, considering that Eddie Pinheiro made a career-long 56-yard field goal after missing a what would have been a career-long a year, week ago, uh, 55-yard field goal in Seattle. So he bailed out Frank Reich. We've seen Ron Rivera have those issues. Think back to the Gano 62-yarder, I think, against the Giants a couple years ago where they just absolutely botched the end of that game. Ron Rivera did, and Gano bailed their ass out in that game. So that was kind of the case for Frank Reich and Eddie Pinheiro heading into the half. So the clock management, not great. Need to figure that out because there's a lot of little details that have been missing coaching-wise. Run defense. The Vikings rushed for 135 yards, 5.9 yards per carry. On Sunday, four straight weeks, Carolina Panthers have allowed over 130 yards rushing Got to get better at that. Have to do a better job stopping the run. They were prepared to do it on Sunday, and they did not do it. So that is concerning moving forward. So that's the bath in the Carolina Panthers game against the Vikings on Sunday. Uh, the ugly offensive inefficiency, as we know, has been lacking through the first four weeks of the season. The Panthers ran 68 plays for 232 yards. That's 3.4 yards per play. They had the ball 38 minutes and 29 seconds, had 20 first downs, and only scored six points. That's atrocious. The Minnesota Vikings had the ball for half that time. They ran 44 plays, had more yards, had 14 first downs, and scored 14 points in offense. Far more efficient with their time with the football than the Carolina Panthers were on Sunday, and that has been a recurring theme through the first four weeks of the season here in Carolina. The run game also was ugly. They set out to run the ball. I told them that they needed to run the damn ball. They tried. And they failed. They ran it 31 times after rushing or running it 33 combined times during week two and week three. 
for only 84 yards on Sunday, 2.7 yards per carry. Chuba Hubbard had 14 uh, yard, 14 carries for 41 yards. Miles Sanders, ineffective yet again, was on the injury report with the groin injury that's been dating back to training camp, which is why he missed out on preseason. He had 13 carries for 19 yards. The run game has to be better. They have to be able to help out Bryce Young and not have all the weight on his shoulders. That has to improve, but so far... Outside of week one, it has been largely ineffective for the Carolina Panthers. Pass protection was lacking once again. Five sacks by the Vikings all in the second half of that game, and three of them from Harrison Smith that were all costly. This is from Peter King of NBC's Football Morning in America saying that Harrison Smith had never had a two-sack game two-sack game in his distinguished career. He had gone 21 straight games without a sack. He had three. had never had three sacks in a single season alone. And he had three sacks on Sunday in that game to Carolina Panthers. Go back to it that it was the, I think, the second down where the Panthers, just the protection got wrong, where Chuba Hubbard is blocking to the left, not going to the right, blocking absolutely nobody. Ike Aquano getting beat on that fourth and goal that ended the game. Carolina Panthers' interior pass rush has been devastating for them so far this season, especially for a smaller guy like Bryce Young not being able to step into the pocket. I believe DJ Wilhelm, the defensive end who got the touchdown on that sack fumble, was someone who was talking about after the game that the Carolina Panthers really are really Bryce Young that he had a tough time maybe seeing because of the pressure that was coming out the middle. So the Carolina Panthers got to find a way to fix that. Maybe getting Austin Corbett back will help. We will see how that progresses moving forward. And then of course the ugliest part of this all is the Carolina Panthers are starting and are staring rather an 0-6 start to the beginning of the season with trips to Detroit and Miami awaiting them over the next two weeks. So that's the good, that's the bad, and the ugly from the Carolina Panthers loss against the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. When we come back, we'll talk about Frank Reich and what he had to say as far as his message to the fans and a couple of his takeaways from the Panthers' loss against the Vikings. That here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show your total upfront so you know you're getting a great deal deal without hidden fees buy tickets in seconds with just two taps take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on nfl for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code locked on nfl that's l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n-n-f-l for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line, or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, 
dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Carolina Panthers head coach Frank Reich met with the media on Monday afternoon as he does following every Carolina Panthers game that's played on a Sunday to provide his um, takeaways from watching the film and what he saw in the Panthers' latest loss, 21-13 to at home against the Minnesota Vikings. Reich started off by saying that there's plenty of good things on tape in all three phases. The thing that they're looking more for, that they're looking for more, is consistency. Of course, in all three phases, so being able to find consistency will help the Carolina Panthers actually win some of these games that they have led in. They've led in all four of the games so far this season. They've lost all four of the games, so hopefully consistency will help help with that early on in the game opening drive we talked about this briefly yesterday I did not really know how to feel because I feel like it clearly was unintentional in that there was no malice to it but Bryce Young getting hit on that I would have probably it would have been third and goal from the three that was there was a false start penalty on Terrace Marshall and I don't know who it was who hit Bryce Young, but it was obviously after the whistle. I don't know if he heard him. I would imagine he didn't. Either way, apparently the refs explained to Frank Reich that they didn't believe it was overly flagrant. Frank Reich even said himself that he didn't feel that was the case. But watching it, you're kind of just like, damn, you could really call that flag. And if that's Patrick Mahomes, it feels like that's probably a flag. But because it's Bryce Young, it's not. Should it be a flag? I don't know. The fl- there's There's a whistle. You touch the quarterback. It's a quarterback league. You got to protect the quarterback. Got to protect every player. I don't know if I feel really strongly either way, but that's one of those plays where I guess when speaking to the ref that they didn't believe it was overly flagrant, that the guy just did not hear, and they just said no harm, no foul on that play. Of course, would have been huge. Would have given the Carolina Panthers their second first and goal on that drive, or their third first and goal on that drive. They got a first and goal. Then there was a penalty on a holding call in the end zone, and then there was – Potentially, that would have been a penalty, so that would have really helped the Carolina Panthers to capitalize next score a touchdown on that opening drive for the offense that they settled for three. I don't know. Um, it's unfortunate that they didn't get the call, but I feel like that's probably the right call from the officials. Uh, tight end usage. We saw really none of it. Ian Thomas, he was targeted on what you could have potentially called a PI if you wanted to. If you're a ref, I still think that it was Pretty fair by Josh Metellus um, in coverage there for the Vikings on Sunday um, on that opening drive. And then outside of that, you saw Hayden Hurst get a reception for a first down, uh, seven yards. And then he had two more targets, and that was it. So four tight end targets, one reception, seven yards. After spending this entire offseason hearing about the tight ends and what they would be doing for the Carolina Panthers this year, seeing what Hayden Hurst was able to accomplish week one as the primary pass catcher for the Carolina Panthers. As Chark didn't play in Thielen, probably was banged up after being on the injury report of an ankle throughout the beginning of week one. We have rarely seen Hayden Hurst the last couple weeks. Didn't have a target until the second half. Uh, week two against the Saints. Same case uh, last week against the Seahawks. And then on Sunday, three targets, only one reception for seven yards. Don't know where that's at. But Frank Reich said the offense in general hasn't been as productive as he would like. And he has confidence in the tight ends. Bryce Young has confidence in the tight ends. And they believe that with more consistency moving forward, that you'll get to see the tight ends utilize the way that they would like. So TBD on that. The run game has been concerned. The Carolina Panthers ran the ball well week one. The last three weeks, 
Uh, have not ran the ball well. Did not really try to run it week two and week three. They tried to run it on Sunday, and they could not do it. Frank Reich saying, we certainly need to get more out of the run game. It's only been good in one game, and that was the first game. Had more carries on Sunday, 31 for 84 yards, but didn't have the efficiency or the productivity. And he agreed that's something that they need to get fixed in order to take pressure off of Bryce Young. Because right now, it's really Bryce Young in the passing game. That's the way the Panthers are going to win games because Shuba Hubbard, Really, Miles Sanders have Chuba's been fine, but Miles Sanders has really been a disappointment through the first four weeks of the season. Again, the groin that bothered him in the preseason, why he didn't play in the preseason. It popped up on injury report last week. He was questionable. I am just wondering how healthy this guy really is. I understand the fans don't like it, and I'm the guy who hates paying running backs, y'all. So if I'm sitting here giving to do the benefit of the doubt because he's probably not healthy maybe you could just relax a little bit. And there I go using the R word again. Austin Corbett would be nice to have him back because I think that would help the run game. You saw Chandler Zavala struggle again in pass uh, protection, and I would also think that him and Throckmorton playing the guard positions is not helping the run game. We saw last year when Brady Christensen was healthy, when you added Bradley Bozeman, when Pat O'Fine went out for the season with that hip, and then you had Austin Corbett out there, who was your second highest graded PFF uh, offensive lineman. You had a really good dynamic run game. And the Panthers also had a clear and defined identity under Steve Wilkes in the final 11 games of last season. Didn't have one against the Rams. With the final 11 games, they knew that they wanted to run the football. So far, this offense does not have an identity, but you would have thought going into the season, even with the Corbett injury, that this offensive line would be able to run the ball well. They have not done that so far. Maybe getting Austin Corbett off a pup would help. Uh, They are looking forward to uh, getting him back out on the practice field soon. Frank Reich said that they have talked about a timeline to get him on the field for a game, but he's not ready to disclose the details for that just yet, and it could be soon that he practices. So when is soon? Is that this week? Is that next week? Is that during the, I don't know. Don't know what it's going to be, but it seems like that's not too far away as he's now eligible after four weeks to come off of the pup list and other injuries. Marquise Haynes is currently on IR. Uh, Frank Rowe's asked about him when he would come off and he said he's not ready to make a report on him just yet. So it does not seem like Marquise Haynes with the back that's bothered him since week one of training camp back in July. It does not look like he's ready to come back either. Uh, Deion Jones started against Seattle, but was inactive on Sunday. Uh, Camugria Hill was the other linebacker that started, which um, with Frankie Luva rather asked about why Deion Jones is inactive after having interception against the Seahawks and of course starting. He said it was based on a particular scheme in front that they wanted to run, that they had a lot of single linebacker stuff that were they were going to do and that they did on Sunday. There was more five men on the line, so they were playing some shell coverage to eliminate the big play in the past game, so they just did not believe that Deion Jones fit what they wanted to do. So that's something that happens uh, plenty of times. Uh, and then he ended it with a message to the fans, and that's you guys listening to the podcast right now. Who are discouraged? Bass I hurt. Think she does a great job. Certainly um, does a really good job of, you know, tapping to the pulse of Carolina Panther fans and their psyche and how they're feeling right now. And I know that a lot of people are not happy by an 0-4 start. And I don't begrudge you at all. I felt like it would probably be a slow start for this team. If they got the 2-4, and 3-3, and three, be happy about it. But 2-4 and four, uh, does not really feel realistic right now. Obviously, 3-3 three and three is out the window. And history says that this team is not going to be a playoff team. Now, that does not mean that you can't still enjoy the season, that this team can't turn it around, so to say, and be more entertaining and show some signs in the latter part of the season, but you would prefer to come out and actually be set up to where they could be in competition 
or contention rather for the playoffs come December, where that does not feel like a reality for the Carolina Panthers unless they're able to uh, shock all of us in the NFL world by winning against Detroit and Miami on the road the next two weeks. But Frank Reich, he went out and said he understands the uh, discouragement, um, but the message is can we keep the faith? Uh, That they're turning over every stone, making every effort to get results right now. That that's what the fans want. That's what they want. That's what Mr. Tepper wants. He believes that they're a young team that is growing and developing. That does not mean that they have to wait until next year, into the future, that they can grow and develop as the season goes along. And he knows that it's their responsibility to give the fans something to cheer about. So he understands the dynamics that are at play here that, hey, they're out there doing their jobs. It's you know what they love, their passion. Those guys are far more upset about wins and losses than any fan can ever be. But he also understands that, like, hey, like people are spending a lot of money to go out here. Maybe they're even making a lot of money by selling tickets, uh, but they're spending a lot of money or making a lot of money to go out here. There's an investment in this product, and the Carolina Panthers have not delivered through four weeks. So Frank Reich hears you, he understands you, and he says he's doing everything he can to correct it, and we will see whether that actually turns out to be the case as far as the actual results as time goes on. But uh, sooner rather than later, Frank, get it done. Now the Carolina Panthers... Had it game came into the season with a group of wide receivers that I felt was overwhelming. And apparently they have figured out that those receivers that they have are underwhelming, so they are now interested in trading for a receiver. Really, it took you this long to figure that out? We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. Snap into the action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book right now. New customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Does not matter who you're betting on, what you're betting on, whether you win or you lose, you get $200 back in bonus bets with $5 bets. If you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than now with the NFL season back and the NBA coming soon. The NHL as well. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. If you've been listening to the show since March, we have talked about this a lot as far as Carolina Panthers, wide receivers, and the talent level within that room. I did tell y'all that I believe that they would leave a lot to be desired. And through four weeks of the season, aside from one game in Seattle, that has been the case of the Carolina Panthers' wide receivers. When you trade DJ Moore, who is a number one wide receiver, at least here in Carolina he was, and... You're left with Terrace Marshall, LaVishka Chenault, and Shai Smith. And the wide receiver market that you had this past offseason is not great. It was going to be difficult to put 
around Bryce Young, a quality wide receiver core. I felt like the Carolina Panthers did as best as you could reasonably expect by signing Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, by going out and drafting Jonathan Mingo. They wanted Demir Burr to be a part of this, don't know what his role would have been, and then they were hoping that they could be able to elevate some of the guys that are already here, like LaVishka Chenault, who they've rarely used. Terrace Marshall had a career-high nine receptions on Sunday, and of course they got rid of Shai Smith. So, it was as good as you could have expected and really hoped after parting ways with DJ Moore in just what the market bore out this past offseason. But we knew that the Carolina Panthers were going to have a problem. And I just wondered, did they know? There were times where the Panthers could have gone out and got Odell Beckham Jr., who so far has not been healthy anyways. Surprise, surprise, surprise. And they also could have gone out and tried to inquire on DeAndre Hopkins. And Scott Fitter had said when he first came here that he would be in on every deal. But the Carolina Panthers, for whatever reason, didn't seem all that interested. And I'll be honest, I wasn't all that interested in Odell. And I just didn't know whether it made a lot of sense for the Panthers with DeAndre Hopkins, who did come out on a podcast and say that he didn't want to play with the rookie quarterback, that he would rather play, I guess, with Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. Either way, I'm just here as a talking head, and that's their job to inquire. And they did not seem to be very interested and they felt to be uh, content with the guys that they had on this roster even though it was very clear that the wide receiver room was lacking talent so here we are on Sunday morning in report of the NFL Network coming out and reporting the Carolina Panthers are now interested in trying to find a wide receiver considering that the wide receiver room that they have currently isn't very good he said after this pass Offseason's blockbuster trade to acquire the number one overall pick they use to select Bryce Young. The Carolina Panthers are continuing to look to build for the future and solidify the roster for 2023 and beyond. The Panthers already have been active on the trade front this season, sources say, calling several teams about a potential trade for a starting wide receiver. With DJ Chark and Adam Thielen as two of their top targets, Carolina is looking for one more wideout for Young. Perhaps another starting wide receiver would help Young's development. Panthers general manager Scott Fitter has said he wanted to be in on every deal, and this is yet another example. Even though they have started off season 0-3, the Panthers have not signaled to other teams that they were interested in trading away players to draft picks. Sources say, to be sure, it's a bit early in the year for most trades as teams are still figuring out themselves out after the first month of the season and a full month before the league's trade deadline on October 3rd, 31st, rather, on Halloween night. So that is Ian Rapport. The Carolina Panthers, the wind of the season, confident in the group, and now after Really, after three weeks, they are no longer confident in what they have. Yeah, it's not a surprise. Like John, they've seen John Domingo, I think, and they've looked and seen that, okay, he's a rookie. He can't really get a lot of separation. He has a big learning curve to be someone who can actually help us out. We need to go get somebody else. Terrace Marshall, he's mm, okay. What well, we need more if we're going to be able to help Bryce Young this year. And a part of the evaluation of Bryce Young is having enough around him to really properly and fairly evaluate Bryce. And I don't know. Well, I do know. I don't think I, they don't have that right now for the Carolina Panthers. And if they're going to be 0-4 and this season's not going to be a playoff season, then it would be nice to be able to at least know whether – they got the right guy. Now, they don't have to decide whether they have the right guy this year or next year. Really, it's a 36-month project. They got three years, three seasons to figure out whether they got they got the right guy or not. But you would think sooner rather than later, you would like to put enough around him. And again, the, the market wasn't great. The wide receivers that were available, like you can talk about Juju Smith-Schuster. You can talk about, I mean, McCole Hartman. I don't think he's even really playing that much with the Jets. Like, Lazard was never going to come here. You just look at it. It wasn't great. It wasn't like this phenomenal wide receiver market, but you don't help yourself 
when you decide to get rid of DJ Moore. And that was the only way they were able to facilitate the, the Bears trade unless they want to give up Derek Brown or Brian Burns. And they felt like those positions were going to be harder to re- replace than a wide receiver. So far, it's been very hard to replace DJ Moore through four weeks of the season. Now, two names that were mentioned in that article are two Denver Bronco receivers. The Broncos are one and three so far in the first year of Sean Payton. Uh, they're having, of course, their own issues. Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy are the two guys that were mentioned. Jerry Judy is on his uh, rookie deal. Uh, I think he was a four, yeah, he was a former first round pick. He has twelve point nine eight seven million guaranteed next year. Uh, that would be his fifth year option. So the Carolina Panthers have to figure out what they want to do with him long term if they do sign him. And then Cortland Sutton. He has an out in his contract following this year, but there's two years remaining on the deal. None of them are guaranteed, at least as of now. So the Carolina Panthers could have Sutton under contract for two years, or they could bring in Jerry Judy. Then they would have to, you would think, extend him, trying to justify even trading for him if he turns out to be the guy that they want. So those are two names that were mentioned, but I thought Mike Kay of the Charlotte Observer really broke it down best by saying trading for a wide receiver won't improve their interior pass protection, pre-snap discipline, cornerback, linebacker, safety depth, and or tackling against the run. It's just going to be adding one more player, hoping that that can help the passing game. But if Bryce Young doesn't have time, if Ike Kwan is fall starting and giving up crucial sacks in the game, if Chandler's ball is getting thrown into Bryce Young's lap, getting another wide receiver doesn't help. Now it can help if he gets open. Absolutely. But it's not going to help the scheme because right now the scheme hasn't been great so far for the Panthers. So it would be nice that they would go out there and do it. At least they're showing, hey, turning over every stone. They're showing a willingness to improve the roster. But it's just one of those things where it just feels too little too late where you're already 0-4. You add someone, all right. You get to see what Bryce looks like the rest of the season with that new receiver as that receiver learns the offense, learns Bryce, comes along. But as far as like what it means for the overall you know, direction of the season and any postseason aspirations that they had, it feels like a little bit too little too late for the Carolina Panthers as far as that goes. And the Panthers had their opportunities if they wanted to get somebody, and they did not seem to be very interested. So I just find it comical that after passing on Odell, which I thought was the right decision, and passing on DeAndre Hopkins, which I don't know if that made a lot of sense either just as far as, like, did he want to come here? And that's got to understand, two-way street. But after really showing a lack of interest in those guys – and settling for what that was out there in the market, I just find it interesting that after three weeks, Carolina Panthers then like, oh, damn, these guys aren't good enough. We need to go out there and help Bryce when I just oh, – good Lord, guys. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, y'all subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter at Julian Council, where I'll be back tomorrow to answer your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me to get those questions in to me now. But in the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole. As always, keep pounding, and I'll talk to y'all on Wednesday. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.